Welcome back to Pat Talked. In this episode of our podcast entitled Progressive Alternative Training, we're going to be looking at debunking the myths of natural horsemanship. And I actually have Pat Pirelli here live with me today so that we could get into um, some of the details and his thoughts on what this natural horsemanship thing is all about. So before natural horsemanship was even called natural horsemanship, it was just called it. And today this thing, this it has changed the horse industry by coming into its own major sector. And we know this movement took decades to get where it is today. So in today's episode, Pat, can we start off by just having you share with us, is this how you imagined that the horse world would look like four decades later? Well, it's interesting you asked that because you mentioned something about calling it it. So I want to clarify that. I remember before um, uh, parents, you know, their wife would get pregnant. Nowadays, they know whether it's a male or female child very early on because of the sonograms or technology and stuff. But in the old days, when a woman was pregnant, you'd say, what are you going to name it? <laughs> because it was still an it, the, the baby in the belly, right? And so um, when I first started uh, going around and the Ray Hunt clinics and, and Tom Dorrance would come over and Ronnie Willis, and, and there was a small, I don't know, group of people that all were doing it. <laughs> and it was just like, so everybody would just say, yeah, I heard so-and-so's doing it, you know, now Larry Mahan's doing it now. And, you know, and all these, you know, different people, different ranchers. So it was a interesting thing. And, um, Tom Dorrance's older brother, Bill said to me one day, he says, you did it. I said, I did what? He said, you gave it a name, <laughs> natural horsemanship. That's what we're doing. So that was an interesting thing. And, and, you know, these were real horsemen, so it's real horsemanship. And uh, I think that's that's the number one, you know, kind of thing is that, that natural horsemanship, there's only one synonym that I know for natural, and that's real. I love that. And they really were real horsemen. And we're going to get into some of the misconceptions of what natural horsemanship is. But would you say that now, I mean, we're looking at four decades of this movement happening. When you were back in the beginning of it, at the start of it all, who were the major players in this, this thing called it, this industry of natural horsemanship that wasn't even an industry yet? Well, the, the, the number one player was Ray Hunt, no doubt about it. And what a lot of people don't know is Ray Hunt, and they used to be called Ray Hunt and Tom Dorrance clinics because Tom went with him, but they only did four or five clinics a year. And then once Ray wanted to do one almost every weekend from starting on Saturday through Wednesday, uh, these five, Tom said, you got, he told, Tom told me once, he said he has too much sagebrush in his nostrils, so he, he wants to keep rambling. And Tom didn't want to do that, of course. So it was, it was them. And then, um, on the clinician. So there was two parts. There were the people like Ronnie Willis who lived in just outside of Clements and, uh, at the Hayden livestock, uh, ranch and, um, or headquarters, excuse me, the, uh, that state just, you know, was, was, was stationary. And then there were people that wanted to 
to do clinics. And then there were people like myself that wanted to have a ranch and do clinics. So it was, um, you know, I would say at the beginning, it was Ray Hunt, Tom Dorrance. Um, I think that uh, I came on and Buck Branneman, we all kind of came out, the group of us that came on right afterwards. John Lyons was doing a lot of clinics, but he wasn't doing natural horsemanship. He, he was doing clinics and a lot of people misunderstood if you were thought if you were doing clinics, you were doing natural horsemanship. It's not true. There were probably the first clinician in the world was a guy named Ed Connell, who was, who wrote the Hackamore Rangeman and Bridal Horses of the West. And he was from Livermore and I happened to ride with him because I was from Livermore and, um, California. And, uh, he, he was passed away, I think in 1972, putting on a clinic at the, at the gang ranch up in, up in Canada. And then it was Monty Foreman. He was putting on clinics. He was traveling all over. And uh, he, but they weren't natural horsemanship clinics. Natural horsemanship is horse psychology and knowing how the horse feels, thinks, acts, and play, and then applying it, applying it to colt starting, applying it to challenging horses, applying it to your everyday horse that want to go beyond being mediocre. So I think those were the base, you know, major players. Um, and, you know, one thing and another, um, more enterprising young people got interested into, you know, hey, I could learn to do this and make a living doing it. So I, I've said often that, you know, all my life I've been making waves. And then when it was time for me to surf, I got up and surfed and looked to my right and my left, and I found other surfers on my wave, which is all good because it helps make the horse. It helps the horse because it helps keep the humans that love them, then it makes the world a better place for both the horse and the human that love them. It's so interesting to, to hear you talk about kind of the, the formation of it and how it all began. And almost ironic to me, Pat, because so many of these key players were near you in California, right? I mean, look, anywhere in the world, this could have started, but it all kind of had this kind of central hub there in California around you and Clemens and Livermore and that whole area. And now it's expanded and created this massive movement that's really worldwide. Why do you think this idea that kind of started with just this small cell of people, why do you think it now resonates worldwide? Well, let's go back to the beginning. In California, there was this... Um, Sport called reigning cow horse, rain cow horse. And it was about taking a, a horse in a hackamore and then building him up to a bridle horse to work, do a reigning pattern and work a cow. So this came from the early vaqueros. I was just looking at one of the books that Ernest Morris uh, gave me, Ernie Morris gave me on all the vaquero drawings and stuff. This whole idea of staying out of a young horse's mouth by riding in a hackamore and then developing into uh, a bridle horse by riding him in a two-rein outfit where he's got a bosolito, which means a small bosol on, and a set of reins, well as well as the bridle. All this kind of thing was was in was in California. We had we, you'd go to a rodeo, and you could show a cutting horse as well as a reining cow horse at most West Coast rodeos. But a lot of people don't realize is you got to take the whole West Coast because Tom Dorrance, the Dorrance Ranch, uh, all. The, Dorn's brothers, their father's ranch was in Joseph, Oregon. And so this was something that was spreading through northern Idaho, Oregon, 
through the Iwanis and down into Elko, Nevada. And it was something that was kind of a tradition with some of the ranches. And this kind of resonated with them. And it was, so it was, there was, it's kind of what was going on in California at the time. So it was kind of progressive on one hand and traditional on the other. So when uh, uh, Tom Dorrance started going around and helping people, it all fit very well. It wasn't English. It wasn't Western. It wasn't uh, necessarily sport. It was more about horse behavior, horse psychology, about how the horse naturally moves uh, without the interference of the human. So I think it was interesting at the time, uh, even things like team roping was basically a California sport where calf roping was a Texas sport, but now it's everywhere. So it's like, for some reason, it really grew there. And there was, I would say, within 150 miles of where I was raised, you know, down to Santa Barbara, up to uh, Red Bluff, uh, over to Oakdale, down to Bakersfield, the whole Central Valley and the external valleys there going toward the coast. This was something that was uh, readily available and, and people were interested in. So... It's kind of, it, I think a lot of it went hand in hand. And, but a lot of it got started and people would go to Ray Hunt clinics to watch people get on these colts for the first time without a bridle on. And 30 people running around and the colts, you know, hardly ever bucking. And, you know, it was just, it was this, this kind of a avant-garde way of doing things. So a lot of people thought of it as colt starting and problem horses at first. And the only things that cowboys did but now really people realize it's just horse psychology. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head there, Pat, it ties right into the next question that I wanted to delve into with you. And it really comes back to why do you think there has been um, a number of, of critics, a fair share of critics over the years? What do you think is that, common disconnect or misunderstanding for people when they take a look at natural horsemanship? Okay. Well, I think it, I think it has a couple of, of, um, uh, perspectives that thing and I'll take, and I'll take the blame for some of it. Cause I'm a showman. I like to entertain people while I educate them. I call it edutainment. And I've always been able to do fun things with horses, get horses to do things at Liberty that are fun, get horses to, do things online, trailer load, and I always always make kind of a show out of things. So I think a lot of people thought it was something kind of superficial and maybe even tricks, you know, the horses riding without a bridle and all these kind of things. So I'll take, I'll take a lot of the blame. But I think a lot of it, uh, when I went to Europe and I went to Equitana and showed people, you know, sort of doing demonstrations, public demonstrations in, in Hall 6, which holds 6,000 people, uh, at Equitana that, you know, they saw me doing all these things and all my students doing things, riding without bridles, horses following them everywhere, laying down when they want them, all this stuff that it is what the recreational rider thinks is, you know, is, is a great, wow, I got my perfect uh, companion animal. I got my perfect partner. Uh, I think a new generation, new generations took that and took it forward. And pretty soon it became like its own uh, sector of natural horsemanship that you see now on Instagram, a lot of 
you know, young girl, teenage girls riding around with a fairy dress on and no bridle on the horse, but he's got a string around his neck or something and bowing out in a meadow and, you know, all this romantic, which is all fine, but that's not all it's about. That's like one, one thousandth of what natural horsemanship is about. So uh, I'll take some of the blame, but I think the other, the, the, or credit, whatever way we want to look at it. Um, but the other thing is, I think just some people have now been able to kind of popularize through social media what they're doing at home with their with their companion animal and all these cool things and and so people are you know calling it natural horsemanship and then secularize it and, and so then people oftentimes think well it's just trick trick training now you can teach horses to do tricks with natural use of psychology or through mechanic fear and intimidation but it has nothing to do with the with the uh request we're asking for the purpose we're asking the horse to do it has to do with the philosophy of how we're asking you to get to do it with us so i love to think about that because you specifically mentioned that um this is kind of the current generation taking something that you started and now kind of extrapolating it forward and what you started with some novel things liberty and you know, I personally, I remember seeing that at a tour stop years and years ago and just, it, it blew my mind. And now years later, other people are taking that and growing it to the next level, kind of a, a kind of a specialization, making a sport out of that small center of the industry. But I think the point that you're trying to drive home for us here, Pat, is that it's not just about that. It's about applied horse psychology in every situation. So absolutely, Ray Hunt was excellent at doing that with Colt starting. And now some people are excellent at applying more psychology in Liberty endeavors. Um, but it's really looking at the entire, the horse industry in general, the massive spectrum of the horse industry worldwide and saying, how can we infiltrate more areas of that and expand the use of horse psychology in all of those places, not just in one little kind of sector of it. So with that filter in mind, are you pleased and do you think your mentors would be pleased with how it, natural horsemanship, um, has grown and the shape of the horse industry today? I think everyone that really truly loves horses would be happy to know that the world's a better place for horses and humans that love them. Yeah. If we can make it where it's safe, where everyone, the horse and the humans can be safe have fun, achieve excellence in a humane and ethical way. Everybody, nobody can argue with that. I love that. That's really beautiful. Well, Pat, we're going to keep this first part of the interview um, pretty short here. So we're going to wrap this up. This is just step one in debunking the myths of natural horsemanship. And we really wanted to bring you listeners Pat Unfiltered, we wanted him to have a chance to share from his heart what's deep in his heart and strong in his mind. So anything you want to share with us right before we close up this episode, Pat? Yes. You know, I'm here to help people have a better horse life so that their horse can have a better horse life. And the only way I know how to do that is to use horse psychology. And the only way I know how to do that is to keep it natural. So that's the whole thing. Keep it natural. Keep it natural and we'll see you back here on Pat Talks for our next episode.